Lord, uh, this is your time. Would you use your servant, Chi Ming, to deliver a word deep into our spirit, Lord? As deep calls the deep, call us. Overwhelm us with your love so that we know how to worship you in spirit, in truth, in word, in deed, in songs, in every way that glory might go to you, our loving Heavenly Father. Strengthen your servant, Ji Ming, Lord, I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning. Just clarify, not that I asked for it. Um, because last year I heard uh, Pastor Kofai say he would love to have uh, some series on worship. So uh, at the beginning of the year, I felt that maybe I've since it's uh, upon my heart. So I say, uh, I offer, uh, maybe I can speak on it uh, just one session. Then after that, I uh, discovered that uh, what he would like me to cover, one session cannot cover. So I split, split to two sessions. <clears throat> um, this morning, we come together. We have a shorter time of our... Uh, Worship the, worshiping the Lord in, in songs because later after my sermon we're going to have a second part so uh, don't worry you have, uh, just in case you have not enough uh, opportunity to express your praise to God in, in, in songs um, this topic I've been thinking and meditating it uh, for some time because I realize that uh, it affects our life each day how we live our life our personal life our family life how we relate to people our social and also our church life each Sunday we come together uh, to worship the Lord with songs, with communion, with His meditating on His Word, through fellowship, through prayer. Um, so, the, uh, as I mentioned, our sermon here today will be two parts. Today, we talk, talk about how does He relate to us, worship uh, individually in our day-to-day lives. Next week, then, I will talk about as we come together corporately, as we express our worship to God corporately, it's Sunday. What does it mean? How do, how do we do that? And I'm grateful for many resources uh, that I've uh, benefited a lot. I've listened to sermons and books by uh, Ravi Zacharias, uh, Tim Keller, uh, Tozer, as well as Benny Ho. These are the resources that I'll be quoting a lot. And today we're going to cover just three questions. Uh, what is worship? And then why worship? And who to worship? Just these three questions uh, we're going to cover today. Help me. Okay, what is worship? Um, if you look at the Bible, God created us in the image of God. What does it mean to be an image of God? In other words, we are like God. Not fully like Him as a God, but representing Him, a lot of reflecting God's image. So we reflect His, His glory. We are also able to uh, relate to Him as His creation, a commune with Him. That's why in the Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism is a summary of doctrines put together by a, a team of theologians during the 17th century. It summarized this, that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So there, there's two parts here, to glorify God, to reflect His glory, as well as to enjoy Him, this communion. And how do we do that? It is through worship. Sorry, I go with the ballet. How do we do that? It is through worship. Because you and I, we are created beings. Somehow when we are created beings, deep in our hearts, there's a desire to create something bigger than ourselves, something outside ourselves. 
and that we can express our praise, our adorations, our admirations too. And as we look at the Bible, as I look at the Bible, I ask myself, uh, how does the Bible uh, ex- uh, define this word worship? Then as I look at it, uh, the word worship is not really defined in the Bible. In fact, the word English worship is translated in several words, uh, from several words in, in the Bible. In the Old Testament, one main one. In the uh, New Testament, there are four, uh, four key words there. Uh, so instead of boring you with going through every word, I summarize it together. What is this uh, meaning of worship? All it's about. It is a combination of a reverential attitude of our mind, of our will, of our body, of our spirit, our total being, towards a worthy God, expressed with feelings of awe, adorations, obedience, and service. So that's a summary about what is worship all about as you look through the Bible. The Bible. And there's another person who gave a de- another good definitions about worship that I, I want to share with you. It's from uh, Archbishop of Canterbury uh, during uh, 1942 to 1944. He defined worship as this. It says, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge our imaginations with the beauty of God, and to give the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. If you look at these definitions, uh, it breaks into two parts too. The first part is the focus on God and who God is in all His attributes. And the second part is our response, our response to God in view of this God here. And uh, I'm a person that is uh, simple. I like to put things in, a, in, a, in a, a shorter version. So I come up with my own uh, as, I, as I understand it, put them together. Um, I say worship is a believer's response, appropriate response of his, his or her total being, which involves his mind, his emotion, his will, his body, and his spirit to all that God is, all that God has said, all that God has have done. And that's worship. That's worship to God here. And I put into a chart here. This is our God a great God and a God who says many things to encourage us and a God who does more, a lot of things. And worship is our expressions, our response to it fully. Our spirit connects with Him, our mind thinking about Him, reflecting on our emotions is involved because we are total, uh, a whole person filled with emotions and our will submitting to Him and so is our express in our body. So that's worship. If you look at the uh, old, the the English word worship, it comes from this word called worship. It's seeing how much God is worth and then giving Him all that He is worth. But the problem with us is that sometimes uh, we don't give God what He is truly worth. Okay. Before I talk about this, I'm going to just give you a, a small little illustration about this uh, worship again, about worship. It's like, imagine... I'm a, a watch collector, okay, which I'm not. Uh, I, I wear my Casio for at least uh, maybe 30 years. I'm still wearing Casio all the while. Imagine, just imagine I'm a watch collector. And, what, and if I'm a watch collector, I would go past a particular shop and then I, I saw a particular watch and admire it. 
and I long for it. And I talk about it with my friends and I go to the window and I go to the shop, I look at it and I talk to the, to the dealer and I talk and I value it. And finally, I purchase it and I admire it and I go out and I show off to the people around. And just just a small aspect about what this worship is all about here. We, we are excited and you want to show and then you revolve around it. This is just a small part, but worship involves the whole, our whole total being. Worship is treasuring God. We want to ponder about His worth. I want to do something about it. There is an intentional part where we reflect about who God is through our songs, through our prayer, through our meditating of God's Word, through the creations. Either we do it individually or we do it corporately together. We ponder about God. And that leads to us with the appropriate response and say that, yes, this God is great. We fill with all adorations and then say, oh, I want to serve this God. I want to obey this God. It involves our total being. It affects our relationship, our day-to-day work, our studies, our leisure, our rest, and our service. And it's more than just coming together on Sunday uh, service here. It is just, Sunday service is just a part of our corporate expressions of worship. Corporate expression of worship here together. And this is what worship. And why do we need to worship? I'd like us to look to Psalm 145. It's a great psalm. It's a long psalm. And I want to read to you. Turn to your Bible to Psalms 145. It's a great psalm about worship. Let me read to you. It's from the NIV version. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and is most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing to your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy to all He promises, faithful in all He does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who bow down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways, faithful in all He does. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. The Lord fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who loved Him. And all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise His holy name forever 
enable. Revenue. It's a great sum. Don't you think so? It really uh, encapsulates what the worship is all about. And why do we need to worship the Lord? First of all, in this psalm here, because God deserves to be worshipped. God deserves. This psalm describes such a great God in His creations and His works continue. His work is great and awesome. Continuous work there uh, in verse 3 to 4, 6. And then God is filled with abundant goodness and righteousness. And then the Lord in verse 7 and verse 8, the Lord is gracious, compassion, slow to anger, rich in love. And those times, at, at that time when the psalmist was, he have only a vague idea about the Lord Jesus Christ. But today, we have even more reason to worship the Lord. As we look at what the Lord Jesus Christ have done, He came down, the great God came down as an infant baby, lived life for us, taught us, led us an example, and went all the way to the cross to die for you and I. And just now we celebrate the Holy Communion to remind us again about this wonderful God who died for us. Slow to anger, rich in love, to forgive us. Verse 9, He's so good to us. Verse 11 to 13, His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Verse 13, He's trustworthy, faithful in all His promises. And verse 14 to 18 talks about he cares for us, including the weak and the needy. So that's our great God. So worship is appropriate. In fact, it's a proper response of a creature to a creator. In worship, we are filled with the awe of God's beauty, God's goodness, God's greatness. God deserves to be worshipped. That's why we worship the Lord. And secondly, God desires our worship. Why do I say that? Because when we worship the Lord, we focus on Him. We draw near to Him. And He draws back, draw near to us. And He delights in this. He delights in this close fellowship. And in fact, this psalm talks about God is near. He wants to draw near us. God wants to bless us. God wants to uphold. God wants to relate. God wants to communion. This is our God. He desires us. And thirdly, God delights Delights in what? In blessing us, us through worship. As we worship the Lord, He wants to bless us. God is a self-sufficient God. He don't need our worship. He don't need our worship to make Him feel good. He don't need our, our worship to make Him feel complete. If you look carefully, actually worship is really for our sake. It's for us as creatures. It's the creations of God. We need to be reminded. We need to be reflecting. We need to realize who God is and our relationship with Him. And the more we ponder about this God and the more we appreciate who He is, what He has done, the more we will fill with a sense of awe and wonder and praise and, 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 and admirations. And then we will burst out with songs and we will align our hearts and our minds towards our lives around Him. And when we align our hearts towards Him, then we commune with Him and we enjoy true fulfillment, true security, true joy, true connections. And we experience Him. And that's the blessing God has for us. And really, as we worship the Lord, God is pleased, we are blessed. 
in return. I remember the time when God called me into full-time ministry. I was asking, Lord, as I, as I commit my life to you, uh, I remember that time with Campus who said, I said, how, how am I going to, to, to uh, my each day of my life, uh, because we have to raise support, how are you going to provide for me? And, but I'm reminded about who God is. And I remember one time I was uh, singing a song of praise, as you really are, God and King. As I come to this, this part here, God and King, Lord of everything, God reminded me, if I'm the Lord of everything, what is this amount of money? that you're concerned about each month. I will provide if I'm the Lord. So because of that, I'm reminded and I'm, my spirit is lifted up. My faith is arise. And I experience the Lord. And, and as I live my life, I see the faithfulness of the Lord blessing me, not just materially, but in relationship, in, in other parts of my life. In the same way also, as you and I, the more we come before the Lord, as the more we ponder upon the, this great God, the more we express our praise and we focus on Him, then we realize that our problems, what we are encountering in our lives, actually is nothing. And then we experience uh, His goodness, His blessings in return. So that's why we worship the Lord. He deserves to be worshipped. He delights in our worship. And, he, and he, he delights in also blessing us through worship, through worship in this area here. And the next questions I want to uh, reflect upon today is who to worship. I'm sure you say, hey, this is a very obvious question, who to worship. Um, I realize that it is not as obvious as we, we think. Um, it's a very important question for us. Jonathan Edwards, uh, in his book, uh, Religious Affections, he talks about as, create, as created beings, the core of our beings tends to orientate our mind, our will, our emotion towards an object or towards a thing, as I mentioned, towards something outside. We align towards that thing. And I want to share with you another definition by uh, Pastor Tim Keller that gives you another interesting perspective about worship. He said this, Worship is an act of ascribing ultimate value to something in such a way that it engages and changes the whole person. Ascribing ultimate value to something in such a way that uh, we, we align, we engage our, the whole person. But the, earlier I mentioned, the problem sometimes with some of us who face is that we align our lives to the wrong thing as opposed to God. Instead of aligning to God, the ultimate value aligned to something else. And therefore, our lives are uh, not really living according to what God wants us to live. Let me give you an example here. I, I heard this example. Imagine uh, 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 there is a woman who inherits a brooch, a precious brooch, with a precious uh, 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 jewel on it from a great-grandmother. But she didn't know its value. She just left it aside there. It was transferred down from a great-grandmother to, uh, to the grandmother, down, down to the mother, and then passed to her. So just put it aside. One day, she decided to get it appraised. So they went to a jewelry shop, and then the jeweler put on the magnifying glass that stuck to the eye, and then you look at it, 
And then you appraise it, you look at it, you look at it, you look at it, and after a few minutes, suddenly the thing pops out and you get very excited. You look at the reflections of the light, the colors, and you get excited. And then you told the woman, do you know this is one of a kind? This is such a precious. And you realize that the, the price of this jewel is more than all the jewelry in his shop. And he told the woman, you inherited such a great valuable jewel. At that moment, the woman realized that she had not been living in accordance to the value of what she has. She just chucked it aside. And sometimes, some of us lived our life like this woman with the brooch. We look our lives not really transformed. We look our lives not really completely affected by the value of God whom we worship. We assign the value, ultimate value, to the wrong thing instead of God. Why is it so? Because of the fall. God created us to worship Him, but because of fall of man, we choose to go our own way. And then it caused our affection to stray, propel us to, instead of worshipping God, we worship the created things. Self, relationship, achievement, work, everything else except God. We gravitate towards control, towards power, towards comfort, towards uh, approval. We're obsessed with those things, comfort ourselves with those things, fantasize about them. Biblically speaking, these things are called idols. Worship will pull our affections off of this idol and put them back to God. It is assigning ultimate value to the right source. Uh, Tim Keller, he said this, and I agree with him. He said, all of us already worship something. We're already ascribing ultimate value to something. Our whole life already oriented towards something that we ascribe ultimate value. He said, the world is divided into two groups of people. One who worships something that distorts our life, ultimately does not fulfill us, or one who worships the proper being, which is God, and will not distort our lives. Therefore, the key in worship is to know what we are already worshipping and transferring that to God. True worship is not hyping up something that we do not have, but transferring the ultimate value that our hearts already have towards God. And this is what that will change us. Um, I don't know how many of you watch Harry Potter. Controversial uh, movie. In the first Harry Potter movie, uh, Harry Potter saw a mirror. The name of the mirror is called Irisa. Okay, Basically, it, it, it means uh, desire spelled backwards. So I saw this mirror. And Harry Potter, if you, if you happen to read uh, his, the book, um, he's an orphan. His parents died very young. I mean, he was very young. So he had not seen his parents. But when he looked at the mirror, he saw his parents, both of them, were putting their arms. And he was having a good time, just enjoying his parents' uh, presence. So he's so excited. He called his good friend, Ron Weasley. He said, Ron, come, come, look at the mirror. Come and see my parents. But when Ron looked at the mirror, what did Ron see? Ron said, hey, I am the uh, sports champion. I'm the head prefect. 
of my school. So both of them were puzzled. How come both of them look at the mirror but they see different things? So they asked their mentor, Dumbledore. And, the, and then the mentor explained, this mirror reflects the deepest and the desperate desire of your hearts because you desire for your family. That's why you see your family. You desire to be a champion. You see that, that uh, we are a champion. Every one of us uh, put our hope in something that we may say, if I have that, I will be okay. Then I will know who I am. Then I have a meaning in life. Then I will be happy. Every one of us, when we look at the mirror, we will see something. Whatever it is, it completely, completely orientates our lives, control us. Whatever controls us, that becomes our Lord. A person who seeks power will be controlled by power. A person who seeks acceptance will be controlled by the people he or she seeks to please. We do not control our life, but the Lord of our lives controls us. Whatever it is, we are so wanting it, and sometimes we get freaked out if something happens to it. Honestly, if you look at it, our relationship to that something that we see in the mirror is that of a relationship of worship. Worship. We have been, uh, you and I, we ascribe ultimate value, value to these things in such a way that it galvanizes us and changes us. So the question is, when you and I, we look at the mirror, what will we see? When we look at the mirror, what will we see? How do you know? How do you know? Ask ourselves sometimes. I ask this question, what gets me freaked out? What gets me tense up? What gets me worried? What occupies my thought? What do I revolve my life in? What gets me very desperate, get me depressed, or get me very angry when things don't go out my way? What do I see? How do I manage my time? How do I manage my relationship? All these things are giving me hint about what do I see in front of the mirror? What have I already assigned value to? And those things that I assign ultimate value to, I will revolve my life around it. And my relationship with that thing is worship. It's worship. It's only when you see that God's love is more satisfying, more beautiful than any kind of love, then we will not be freaked out over relationship. When we see God's honor, our relationship with Him is more beautiful, more powerful than any form of honor, pleasure, then we will not freak out emotionally. Worship is not doing a duty but recognizing what you already assigned something of ultimate value. Worship is the process where every time you reflect upon God through singing, through praise, through meditation of His Word, looking at the, the creations, and then we pull ourselves to Him. And then we recognize that He is of great worth. And when you see at the mirror, you see yourself enjoying God and God enjoying you and God satisfying you, then we will revolve our lives all around that. And it is God who will never fail us. Other thing we worship, we get freaked out because it might fail us, it might not satisfy us. 
because it's beyond our control. We do not know, can this thing, these are all created things. Only God will not. Why? Because our Lord went all the way to the cross to die for us. He didn't just create us and leave us alone. He went all the way to the cross to die for us, sacrifice for us, give us His righteousness. Therefore, deciding who to worship is the ultimate questions in life. Who are you worshipping today? I hope that it is the Almighty God of the universe who went to the cross to die for us. We are not there. I'm not there. We are not perfect. But it is a process. It is a process. True fulfillment in life comes when we worship the Almighty God, the Creator of the universe, the Lord who went all the way to the cross to sacrifice for us. Then we will find true fulfillment. When we see the great worth of God, when we see His great love, and then when we assign to Him the ultimate value, then it will flow with praise from our heart, with our emotions and adorations. It will flow through our will. Easily, we can submit to Him with our words. It will flow through our spirit as we connect with Him in prayer, in praise. It will flow through our body as we live for Him, as we lift up our, our hands to worship Him, as we sing to Him. It will flow through our hearts in doing our work each day as we go. We will do our work heartily as for the Lord. As those of you who are students, we will study heartily as to the Lord. In the way we treat people with respect and love, it will, affect, it will flow in the way we are enjoying our rest and our pleasure. And that's how worship is all about. That's how worship affects our whole life. That's how worship transforms our life. That's why it is important to know who we worship. It's so important. And again, that's why we need to have intentional time each day to spend time with God, to reflect, to remind us who in our lives deserve our ultimate value. And as we come together to, to celebrate, same thing. It's a great reminder. As a reminder, we remember who God is and then we ascribe to Him and we are excited about Him and we align our lives each day, each moment towards Him. And as we wish in our work, we will be able to work heartily, not for ourselves, but to God. Because as we look at the mirror of desire, we see God enjoying us, we enjoying God. God is our ultimate value because of who He is, what He has said, what He has done for us. I'd like to end with this uh, story. It's shared by um, a few speakers before. But I felt this story uh, depicts what I'm talking about, summarizes what I'm talking about. It's taken from the classic movie called Chariots of Fire. In that movie, it talks about 1924 Olympics. Two runners were depicted there. First is Eric Riddle. Second is Harold Abraham. Both were gifted successful athletes who carry the hopes of their respective uh, nations. Eric Liddell, he's a devout Christian. He represented Scotland. He had a heart to preach the gospel. In fact, he regularly preached the gospel and he felt God had called him into the mission field to China. But there were some who believed that he should have given up his spots in running so that he can preach more. But Eric Liddell, he believed that God had called him to race. 
and it is to raise for the glory of God. So that's Eric Little. The second one, Harold Abrahams. He ran for Great Britain. He loved his country, the sports. He's so obsessed about winning. He studied the sports. He threw himself completely into running. It was his overarching um, passions for his personal glory. So in that movie, there was a clear contrast between these two. Eric Little, he ran for 400 meters. Supposed to be 100 meters. Later on, he changed to 400 meters. Then Harold Abraham, 100 meters. In one particular scene, before 100 meter race, uh, meter race, Abraham was saying, Harold Abraham was saying, he said this, and now in one hour's time, I'll be out there again. I will raise my, uh, my eyes and look down that corridor four feet wide with 10 lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. But will I? 100 sec- uh, 10 seconds, that's about the, the speed, uh, the time to clock that 100 meter. Harold Abraham, he was made for running, for his own glory. His ultimate thing is run for the glory. His whole life revolves around it. It becomes his justification for his existence. But at that moment, he felt lonely, even though that's, he gonna, most probably he was going to win it. He felt lonely, he felt weary, he felt scared. Why? Because he feared that if he wins it, Will it truly bring him satisfaction? Will he truly be fulfilled? And if he failed to win, will his whole world collapse? That's why he concerns about it. But on the other hand, Eric Little is different. He has made God his ultimate thing because of who God is and what God has done for him at the cross. His whole life revolves around God. In fact, he has a personal conviction that he shouldn't run on Sunday, which he just so when the, the, the I think... One of the hits was a 100-meter race was on Sunday. He refused to run. It was not a difficult decision. In the movie, it portrayed like a difficult. But in reality, I watched the documentary, it was not difficult. Why? Because he know what his ultimate value uh, he have assigned. So him, the wheel is already aligned. So very easy, he made the decision. He's not going to run. By God's grace, he was able to compete in the 400-meter race. And he won it. Because he assigned God as ultimate value in worship, it flowed through his life, through his career, and through his gifting in running. That's why he said this, when I run, I feel his pleasure. He said this, I believe that God has made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. When I run, I feel his pleasure. I feel his pleasure. Abraham, Arrow Abraham, seek satisfaction and joy in the race. It always eludes him. It disappoints him. But Eric Little finds a satisfaction in Christ and he experiences the joy of the Lord as he runs and he, and he just flows through his life. Today, as we talk about worship, I'd like to ask us this question. Who or what are you worshipping? Is it yourself? Is it for power, for control, for comfort, for approval, for relationship, for our children? for our parents, for our career, these things will not fully satisfy us because they are unpredictable and these are all created things. Only the worship of God of the universe who loves us, who sacrificed for us, that He will never fail us. That's when we will find true satisfaction, joy and fulfillment and fulfill all that God created us to be. So worship is a believer's appropriate response. 
of his total being, his mind, his emotions, his will, his body, to all that God says, all that God is, all that God does, because he deserves to be worshipped. He's a great God. He loves us. He desires to worship. He wants to commune us, and he wants to bless us in worship. That is why we need to focus our worship on God. I'd like to give us some time to reflect upon our lives. and like to invite the musicians to prepare our hearts, prepare themselves. We're going to end with time of worship. But first, I'll give you some time alone. Ask ourselves, today my body is here. Questions. Is my will, my spirit, my emotions here? Uh, have I forgotten? Have I assigned what is utmost important in my life to a different thing where I revolve my lives along that? Or have I uh, assigned it to God? It is, if it's not God, today again it begins of repenting and coming back, reflecting and pondering upon this great, wonderful God who went all the way to the cross to die for us and give us His righteousness. The more you reflect upon this God, the more you want to align your life and the more you feel with adorations, with praise, with wonder and the more you want to sing to Him. just end this time with worshipping our Lord with praise with songs, with music let us rise together indeed we are created to worship the Lord let's use this time to offer the Lord our worship body, our minds, spirit, our soul. You stood before creations, eternity in your hand. You spoke the earth into motion, my soul now to stand. Before my failure and carried the cross for my shame, my sin went upon your shoulders, my soul now to stand. So, what can I say?
This water that we receive, Lord, will become a spring of water that will well up to eternal life. Father, as your creation, Lord, we worship you. To you, we lift up our hands. Before you, you're the great I am. 
is an everlasting kingdom who is gracious and compassionate who fulfills the desire of those who Christ talk to you today Lord we praise you we worship you help us Lord each day to align our lives towards you to recognize that you are one that is our ultimate value you are the one that is worthy of our worship and we thank you we praise you in Jesus most precious name Amen Amen praise the Lord thank you